Hello, my name is Father David Nix on the Padre Peregrino podcast. Greatly honored today to be joined by Father Paul Kramer live from Ireland. Father Kramer, thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. And this is Theology and Current Events, TCE, number 46, Father Paul Kramer and Fatima. Father Paul Kramer is an Irish-American native of Bristol, Connecticut, who studied philosophy and theology in Rome at the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas during the 1970s and was ordained to the priesthood in 1980. After that, he served as a missionary priest in Germany, Philippines, Canada, Italy, Brazil, India, Ireland, Portugal, Spain, and England. Father Kramer is currently retired and is living in Ireland. He was a close collaborator with Father Nicholas Gruner from 1986 until his untimely death in April of 2015. It was at the request of Father Gruner that Father Kramer wrote one of his recent books, To Deceive the Elect. Father Kramer is the greatest priestly expert on Fatima alive today, at least among those whom I can name before our first electronic meeting today, for which I'm very thankful. Father Kramer, I know this is a little bit below your pay grade, as I said, probably the worldwide expert on Fatima, but we do have um, some non-Catholics listening and uh, some Catholics who have a little bit of a history amnesia. Could you tell us the basics of what happened in 1917 in Portugal with Our Lady and those three shepherd children? Well, the, the children were... Uh uh ha- with the tending their sheep and they were so they're they're out in the in the farmland uh, in the pasture uh and the, even before our lady came there the an angel appeared to them to prepare them for the for the visit of our lady and then in may on may the 13th our lady made her first visit and she announced that she would be coming on uh successive uh, on the 13th of the successive months and uh, that would be until October May June July August September and October she uh, always uh, recommended the, the praying the daily rosary uh, she, she warned that if that people do not amend their lives, that God is going to punish the world. And on the 13th of July, she appeared and she revealed the secret to the children, which was a detailed prophecy uh, of of, of future events, Uh, contingent events, we would say, conditional, uh, depending on the human response. Our Lady said, and I will paraphrase that if people will uh, be uh, uh, not offending God anymore, repenting and not offending God anymore, there will be peace. God will give peace to the world. Uh, if not, there's going to be uh, tremendous chastisements. Now, the revelation of the secret began with the vision of hell. And Our Lady said to the three children, uh, they are, that's uh, Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco. Lucia was the, the eldest of the three. And she could hear 
Our Lady and speak with Our Lady. Uh, Jacinta, her cousin, uh, could hear Our Lady, but she couldn't speak with her. And Francisco could not hear or speak with her, but he could see her. Now, uh, she said, you have seen how were the souls of poor sinners go, and uh, to save sinners from hell, uh, God wants to establish devotion to her immaculate heart. And if, if people will heed uh, the, the message and uh, amend their lives and, and uh, not offend God anymore, the world will have peace. If not, uh, and she listed what would be uh, the chastisements. There would be war, persecution, persecution of the church, persecution of the Holy Father. Uh, there would be... Uh, Russia would spread its errors throughout the whole world, raising up wars and persecution. Uh, there will be uh, the, the, many of the good will be martyred. Various nations will be annihilated. Entire nations will be annihilated. But then she said, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. Uh, she's, uh, she said, I will come to ask for the consecration of Russia, for the for the Holy Father to consecrate Russia to my Immaculate Heart. And uh, in, the, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to be. Russia will be converted and a period of peace will be given to the world. Now that's the first two parts of the secret. Then there is the third part of the secret, which has not been officially revealed. But we know much of what is in that not yet published the third secret, because uh, the third secret is not entirely a secret. Uh, too many uh, cardinals, bishops, priests in the Vatican have read the secret and they've spoken about it with others. For example, uh, uh, John the twenty-third. Open this, open the envelope, one of the envelopes containing the secret. And that mystery was solved, uh, why there were so many envelopes. But he, he read the secret in the presence of eight prelates, and uh, one of them was Cardinal Bea, who revealed the content to his confidant, uh, uh, Father Malachi Martin. And that was in 1960. What is not so well known is that in 1957 Pope Pius XII opened the secret and read it, but it was not, it was not uh, to be published before 1960 by instruction of Our Lady, so he had no intention of uh, publishing it. Uh, he had some prelates present when he opened the secret, he read it, but it was then put back in the envelope and, kept, and, and uh, it was not revealed, it was not announced to the public that the secret had been read. Uh, and Father, before Cardinal you tell Stritch us... Of Chicago, Cardinal Stritch of Chicago was present there, and he spoke about it with, uh, with a priest by the name of Father Lawrence Emmett Hughes, and he is the one who spoke about uh, what the Cardinal told him, uh, having heard the secret from Pius, from Pius XII when he read it. 
So we have uh, those. That's just two examples. Then there is uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, the future Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, who spoke about the contents of the Third Secret. There was Pope John Paul II, who spoke about the con the contents of the Third Secret uh, to a group of about fifty pilgrims in the uh, uh, crypt of the Cathedral of Fulda uh, in 1980 in Germany. Uh, that happens to be a uh, a diocese where I uh, had my first assignment as a newly ordained priest, so I know I know Fulda very well. And Father, before you tell us the real third secret, what's the official Vatican release on what the third secret of Fatima is? What is for the past fifty years? What has the Vatican told us? Our Lady revealed to the children as the third secret. Official party line. The official party line, of course. Uh, before 2000, the year 2000, uh, it was only a matter of conjecture that no one would they, would, they would not speak about what was there. But uh, in June of 2000, uh, there was uh, published a document, uh, the message of Fatima, Cardinal, Cardinal Ratzinger and Archbishop uh, Bertone, and that was a four-page document uh, describing a vision that the children received on the 13th of July, 1917. Uh, that, of course, that is well known, uh, the content. Uh, a man that would appear to be the Pope uh, uh, going up a hill. Uh, on the top of the hill is a is, is, there's a, a, a wooden cross, and uh, uh, he is accompanied by other uh, prelates and lay people, and uh, they are shot and killed by a, a, a group of soldiers. And they're uh, in the background is a, is a is a is a half ruined city. Now, what exactly does this mean? Well, what is what is not there? Uh, is Our Lady's words explaining what is uh, uh, the meaning of the vision. Like, the first thing Our Lady did was to show the vision of hell. And that was the first part of the secret. The last part of the secret was that vision uh, of what is presumably the Pope uh, being uh, killed uh, in combat by a, uh, in a in a in a in a in a in a combat war war situation. Uh, in the first part of the secret, Our Lady, after the vision was shown, she explained, "You have seen hell, where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them from hell, God wants to establish devotion to my Immaculate Heart, etc." The third part of the secret begins with that vision. But then Our Lady's words are written on a single sheet of paper. Those who have read, those who have read the secret all attest to the fact that it is a letter written on a single sheet of paper. It's not the three or four pages or uh, three and a half pages uh, of, the, of that notebook 
notebook pages that were <coughs> published in the year 2000. Our Lady's words appeared on a single sheet of paper. And we know from too many witnesses who were there, uh, Cardinal Ottaviani was one who spoke about, about, about it being written on a single sheet of paper. Cardinal Ottaviani was there when John XXIII opened the secret and read it. So uh, his, his word uh, uh, as, as a witness, his testimony, of course, uh, is rather conclusive because he's not the only one. There were others who said the same thing. Uh, the Bishop of Fatima at the time, John Venancio, when the, when a secret was transferred from the uh, custody of the uh, Bishop of, of uh, Leria Fatima to uh, to the Holy Office in Rome, before it went off to Rome, uh, Bishop Venancio carefully examined uh, the contents of the envelope without opening it, but he held it up in the light and looked at it, and he said it was a single sheet of paper. Uh, with approximately 25 to 30 lines uh, handwritten. That's the third secret. That has not been published, obviously. Uh, others who have said, others have said the same thing. Others who uh, 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 were privy to, to, to the content of the third secret and who have read the secret have all said the same thing. It is written on a single sheet of paper. That single sheet of paper... You told me before we hit record that Our Lady revealed the third secret to Padre Pio. So what is the third secret? Okay, uh, before I say what Padre Pio said, and uh, I don't have the text in front of my eyes, so I can't give you the exact text, but it's easy to find. Uh I have the I have the book uh, by Jose Maria Zavala, who uh, who 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 uh, interviewed Father Gabriele Amors, who was a uh, a friend of Padre Pio. Father Amorth needs no introduction. He was the the uh, the exorcist of the Archdiocese of Rome, the successor of uh, I believe he's a venerable. Uh, 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 Padre Candido Felicissimo, I think his name was. Uh, I, his last name, I think. I, I, I always knew him as Padre Candido when he was alive. He was my spiritual director, in fact. This, is, this man mm. who's got his, who's, whose case is uh, open for canonization. <laughs> but uh, he, he was my spiritual director, Father Candido, and his successor uh, was, as, art, as the uh, exorcist for the Archdiocese of Rome, was uh, Padre uh, uh, Amort. And he said around 1960, Padre Pio spoke to him. And what and about the third secret, uh, Padre Pio said uh, there would be a, a counterfeit church, a false pope and a counterfeit church. And uh, Father Amar said to him, you mean some, some sort of antichrist? And... Uh, Padre Pio smiled at that point, but uh, Padre Pio said enough. The, there will be a counterfeit church, a counterfeit church, a false pope. And now that brings us to Malachi Martin. Malachi Martin uh, made it known that he received the content of the secret from Cardinal Bea. Cardinal Bea was personally present there when John the Twenty-Third opened the secret and read it. And uh, 
he has spoken about the third secret many times. He says, yes, there will be a third world war. Uh, uh, there will be uh, severe pandemics that will wipe out entire nations uh, overnight, things like that. Earthquakes, that was uh, tremendous earthquakes, and uh, it was also revealed elsewhere by Our Lady to Blessed Elena Ayello that uh, uh, entire cities will just be swallowed up in, in some of these earthquakes. But that is not... That is not the most uh, frightful thing in the third secret. He said, if, the, if, that, if that was known, uh, all the Catholics of the world would be uh, filling the churches, lined up even outside the churches. They'd be on their knees before the Blessed Sacrament, pounding their breasts and begging God for mercy. Uh, what what uh, Father Malachi Martin said, of course, is corroborated by uh, what was revealed by uh, uh, Cardinal Stritch to Father Lawrence Emmett Hughes, by the way. But the, I'll get get first the details of, of what what he said, what Father what Father Malachi Martin said. I spoke with Malachi, and I said I've done much research on the on the secret of Fatima. And I believe that in the third secret, it is revealed that uh, there will be an antipope who will be a heretic. And uh, Father Malachi replied to me, were it only that? So it's something much worse than just a, a heretic antipope. What is much worse? Well, that is what Cardinal Stritch spoke up to, uh, to Father Hughes. That uh, the followers of the devil, we're talking about the sect of Freemasonry, the Luciferian sect of Freemasonry, and that's also in other Marian apparitions, approved apparitions, like the Our Lady of uh, when successful in the Quito, Ecuador, the power of the sect, the sect will gain power over uh, over the whole world, the finances of the whole world and things like this. This is in the third secret. Malachi, Malachi uh, is, spoke of this, uh, the control uh, of, the, of the movement of capital goods, for example. Uh, well, Father Hughes, getting it straight from, from Cardinal Stritch, uh, said they will gain power over all the governments of the world. And they will gain power over the church, the administration of the church. The, Christ, of course, we know, is the head of the church. The, the devil cannot gain power over the church, but he can gain power over the, uh, the administrative offices. Uh, he said, "What they're going, to, what will happen is that uh, there will there will be a movement in the church." He said, "Not today or tomorrow, but very soon." There will begin a, a movement in the church that little by little, it's going to be by stages, uh, that will lead to the abolition of the Mass. And ultimately, they will suppress the Holy Mass. Uh, in another diocese... I think we have no signs of that coming down the pike, right? We have... That's coming very soon. Uh, uh, if you... 
read my two volumes uh, to deceive the elect, uh, you'll see that is that this is the agenda of uh, Jorge Bergoglio, which is ultimately to uh, have full communion with the Protestants and to have uh, uh, communion with, with the non-Christian religions. Uh, Bergoglio is not a Christian. And uh, uh, he is a pantheist. He uh, is a Freemason. I'm not afraid to say it. I, I know from I know from inside uh, inside source. I can't mention the name. Uh, we're talking about a cardinal who spoke about it. Uh, and uh, the the damning evidence uh, that Bergoglio is indeed a Freemason. As I explain in, in document in my book on Bergoglio, the, the second volume of the case against Bergoglio to deceive the elect volume two on the true and the false pope, the case against Bergoglio. I have documented uh, exactly what is this new false religion that uh, Bergoglio is, 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 is going to establish as uh, the religion of his church. He is the founder of a false counterfeit church. Uh, and do you believe, Father, do you believe we have a, a pope alive right now? Yes, we do. His name is Benedict XVI. Contrary to what is commonly said, that Benedict XVI resigned the office. He did not resign the papal office. And you look at his statements, it's very clear that he did not resign the office. Uh, he compared, in an interview, a recent interview, in fact, he compared uh, his uh, renunciation, not resignation, his renunciation to a pope in the first millennium. He says, no pope has done this sort of thing since the first millennium. No pope has renounced since the first millennium. Now he's a he's a he's a highly learned man. He knows that Gregory the Thirteenth, uh, uh, Gregory the Twelfth, rather Gregory the Twelfth, uh, resigned the papacy at the time of the Council of Constance. He knows that uh, Pope Saint Celestine the Fifth resigned the papacy. I think around the year thirteen o three, if I remember correctly. He knows that perfectly well. So what, is this, what does he mean when he says no pope has renounced uh, since uh, more than a thousand years? He, and he, but if you look carefully at what he describes, he's talking about, I think it's Pope Benedict VIII, I think is what he's talking about, if I remember correctly. I, I'm not 100% on the names. I think it was Benedict VIII. Uh, who uh, was... Uh, in a rivalry at the time with an anti-pope. So until the issue could be resolved, he stepped back from uh, exercising his office as pope. And uh, he let the emperor sort it out. And the emperor ruled in his favor. And then he uh, reasserted his authority as pope. Now, Benedict, compares himself to that pope who did not resign the papacy. He did not abdicate the papacy. 
uh, like Pope Celestine V, Saint Celestine, uh, the in his declaration, he he says, I uh, I think the words renounce. I renounce uh, the throne. I renounce, I renounce the throne and the papacy. Or the other way around. I renounce the papacy and the throne. But it's very clear he is not going to be pope anymore. And the same thing with Gregory the Twelfth. He's not going to be pope anymore. And with the, with these precedents, uh, it was already established what a pope needs to do if he wants to leave the office and vacate. The apostolic see. Uh, and this was uh, formalized in the in the in the 1983 code of canon law, uh, canon 332, I believe, where it is stated that uh, the pope, uh, for if he's for the pope to renounce, that the pope must would renounce his bonus, he must correctly express the renunciation of his munus. Now, the munus in canon law is a, an office, is a stable munus. So the, the, the papal munus is the stable office of the, of the papacy. And if you examine the wording of his declaration, the declaratio uh, of renunciation, the very first paragraph, he distinguishes between the ministry and the monus. He uses both words. He, he speaks of the ministry. He speaks of the monus, the monus and the ministry. And then he declares that he renounces the ministry. And uh, in clarification of what he meant in his last day in active duty as pope, uh, his, his uh, or or the or the day the day before the twenty seventh of February twenty thirteen, Pope Benedict uh, announced that uh, the responsibilities uh, I, he wrote in Italian, so I'm trying to think of how how exactly he put this how how to put this in English. Uh, on the day he was. Uh, he used the term impegnato on the day he received his commitment, his his papal duties. He received on the day of his election. Uh, that was for always. That was forever, for as long as he's alive. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, "I believe it was a an always my, is forever." And he mentioned the precincts of St. Peter's. The precincts yes. of St. Peter's. And he and he said uh, uh, he will he will remain within the enclosure of Saint Peter. Yes. Uh, and uh, clarifies that by saying that uh, uh, my decision to renounce the active exercise of the ministry does not revoke this. When he speaks of this, he's talking about his receiving that. Uh, Responsibility of office. The in Italian it would be impegno. In, well, can in I German, interject, can in, I interject in German, something that's here? Auftrag. This is very important. In German, okay, that's Auftrag, because in a more recent interview he spoke he, he spoke about mein Auftrag, my my munus. 
he still has his mm. monas. He said he said it explicitly in his interview with Peter Zeval. He still has his monas, and he said it. And he, he explicitly referred back to February twenty seventh, twenty thirteen, when he said, "My decision to renounce uh, the ministry, my the active exercise of the ministry, does not revoke this." Meaning this meaning when he said, "When I received my monas uh, from the cardinals on the on the nineteenth of." April 2005, uh, this was for always, and there's no return to the private life. So I remain in the enclosure of St. Peter. It's very clear that he did not fully renounce the papacy. And I think fully is a key word there. That's that's a debate that we see in the traditional world. Um, he, he, he meant to resign something, obviously. Um, I wanted to ask you, Father, I don't know if you're familiar with the production called Alatea. It's a pretty well-read Catholic website. It's neither liberal nor is it traditionalist. Kind of in the middle of the spectrum where you might find like Catholic news agency. So Alatea, non-traditional publication. Uh, Diane Montagna translated for them Archbishop George Gonsfine. Most of the listeners know that Gonsfine is sort of the run between cardinal between the quote-unquote two popes. Um, and Cardinal Gonsfine, this is this is absolutely astonishing to me that Alatea published this, but the title, which I will link in the show notes for our listeners, is Archbishop George Gonsfine's Expanded Petrine Office Speech. It's a four-part blog or uh, website on Alatea explaining how Gonsfine and presumably Pope Benedict. So I I point out that this is Alatea, not some you know rad trad website out there. This is mainstream Catholicism claiming uh, that Gonsfine and presumably Pope Benedict wanted a contemplative pope and an active pope. Have you seen that article on Alatea? And what do you have to say about this notion of a contemplative pope and an active pope? Again, not my words. This is the words of um, people in the Vatican. Well, that was an address that he had made, I believe, at the Gregorian University. Gansvine. It was this was not something said in secret or in private. So uh, it was a public statement he made. Uh, you think Benedict him, was behind this? Does does Benedict sign on to this oh, notion? What, see, this this speech he gave was widely publicized. But what has been forgotten, passed over entirely, was uh, in 2013, just uh, shortly after uh, Pope Benedict's renunciation. Archbishop Gensvine. Uh, said that Pope Benedict, uh, I can't remember the exact phraseology, but it was more or less the same thing he said uh, at, at the Gregorian when the, that, that was published by Alatea. He said pretty much the same thing, but he said something very important. And he said that in some manner, Benedict intends to wishes to still continue on in some capacity as pope and he said he can't say this himself so i have to say it for him so he was speaking in benedict's name this was not something like uh his 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 later statement uh, he made some form of retraction as it were uh, uh, uh say well this was just my my interpretation but uh, back in 2013 when he said the same thing it wasn't his interpretation. He's, he, it was in mm. Benedict's name. He said, "I uh, this is this is the, the mind of the Pope, Pope Benedict, on this uh, point. 
he said, but he can't say it, so I, I have to say this for him. Father, I'd like to rewind a little bit, maybe about 100 years ago. You mentioned that the annihilation of nations isn't as scary as something else. And my understanding is when Sister Lucy, about 100 years ago, was asked to put pen to paper on what the third secret was, she had no problem writing annihilation of nations. Of course, she wasn't happy about it. Nobody wants to hear that nations are going to be annihilated. But something terrified her more than that, that it took her months to put pen to paper to the rest of the third secret. Some people say that is apostasy of the church from the top down. Can you shed some light on that? It will be, the uh, I, I emphasize the word apparent, the apparent apostasy, apostasy of the church from the top down. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the very heart of the third secret of Fatima. Uh, the counterfeit church, as Padre, as Padre Pio uh, revealed to uh, Father Amorth, uh, as Cardinal Stritch uh, revealed to Father uh, Father Hughes, uh, th 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 they will suppress the mass. They will. They will. It will be a false church, and they will suppress the mass. Uh, a counterfeit church. And, and and as Cardinal Reisinger had said, that uh, what is in the third secret has been said in many other uh, Marian apparitions. Well, there are there are many who sp that speak of this counterfeit church. You find in the revelations to Blessed and Catherine Emmerich, for example, uh, and of course the revelation made by Padre Pio and and uh, and many others. But what's not as well known is a little book written in 1861. Uh, by Cardinal Manning, uh, Henry Edward Manning, uh, a, a vastly erudite uh, English cardinal of Irish descent. And uh, the title of the book is uh, on the, uh, uh, the, 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 present, the Present Crisis of the Holy See. It's a series of four four lectures compressed into one book uh, about 90 pages long. And there he 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 remarkably uh, uh, explains in, in, in these 90 pages uh, the entire mystery of, uh, of, of, of the end times. And uh, Cardinal Ratzaker spoke of the third secret of Fatima. He said it's about the end times. Inovisibi is the word he used, the last things, and we're not talking about the four last things, uh, uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. He's talking about the last things, meaning the eschatological, in the Greek eschata is uh, the, the last things. The last things, which are the end time prophecies of scripture, because he's talking about how what is in the third secret is in scripture, and he said specifically the last things. Uh, for example, when the prophet Daniel says these things will take place at the end, that's what he means by the last things. The apocalyptic uh, texts of scripture uh, that deal with the end times, the last things, that this is uh, the content of the third secret of Fatima, and it is... Uh, the uh, 
unanimous uh, uh, teaching of the ancient fathers on this point. Those who those who speak of it are all in agreement. They teach in unison that, as the cardinal put it, the church will appear to have been swept from the face of the earth. Uh, the, the Pope will be, the true Pope will be driven out of Rome. Uh, Rome will revert to its ancient paganism. And uh, it will appear that the church doesn't exist anymore. It will appear that the church, it will, it will look like the church has been swept off the face of the earth. And he said, this is not my opinion. The Cardinal makes it very clear. This is not my opinion. This is the ancient fathers and all the greatest theologians who have explained this. So this goes back to the unanimous teaching of the ancient fathers. It can't, when, How do we square that? How do we square that with the fact that church must be visible? The church must be visible, but not obvious in your face all the time. It is most of the time. It has been over the centuries. Very, very obvious. Very much uh, 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 luminously visible. But uh, as theologians have explained, the, that visibility can be greatly obscured. And uh, I'm quoting uh, two great works on the apocalypse in, in my second volume, where uh, uh, it is stated by by one of the theologians that being quoted that uh, the church's visibility, the church's visibility, can be obscured uh, so that uh, uh, it will not be uh, so obvious. But he compares it to the sun hidden by clouds. I like the eclipse analogy of where we are right now. Yes. Father, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, you know, even before the current restrictions against the traditional Latin Mass, I would say even before the Novus Order was created, it seems that Sister Lucy was already being manipulated uh, you wrote in your book, The Devil's Final Battle. To this day, Sister Lucy is still under a strict order of silence. You wrote this when she was alive. Sister Lucy is the only Catholic out of one billion Catholics who is under such a gag order. Um, what was the motivation of the hierarchy even before the even before the last crazy 10 years in church history that we've been going through right now? You know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, why did she go under so many years of manipulation? What was the motivation uh, of so many bishops, cardinals, maybe even popes to make sure Sister Lucy never let out of the bag the real third secret? Because the real third secret, uh, if it had been revealed before 1960, uh, would have caused many a weak faith to think that the church would defect. And even after 1960, there are many who would think, who are, well, there are many who are thinking that the church has defected, and many who have le unfortunately left the church because they, they feel that the Catholic Church has defected, and that's, it wasn't the true church after all. Hmm. But uh, 
our Lord foretells for uh, that uh, that the, the deception will be so great that were it possible, even the dissect, even the de, even the elect would be deceived. Matthew That's twenty-four. Is that for the title of my book? Yes. And as the cardinal uh, Cardinal Manning explained, on the basis of the unanimous teaching of the ancient fathers, it will appear that the church has been swept from the face of the earth. But that will be brief, before a couple of years only. Uh, the church, as Our Lady revealed in uh, in Quito, Ecuador, back in 1634, the church will be without a pastor. Uh, blessed uh, uh, Ana Maria Taiji, 19th century mystic, uh, uh, she said that the church would be have, uh, without a pope for 25 months or more. So when uh, when that that time comes when there will be a vacancy lasting a, a couple of years. Anyone who points out this obvious fact that the, there's a counterfeit church with a counterfeit pope, a false religion, an invalid mass, and uh, anyone who points that out, they're going to say, well, you're, you're, you're a set of a contest because you have some very militant, uh, supposedly former Mason, uh, uh, going around saying that the uh, 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 who's ever not in communion with Francis is, is outside of the church, and the, uh, their, that their ministry is not uh, uh, legitimate. That's and you're not a set of a contest, are you? No, I'm not. Father, the can, of, I, can I ask the you real contest, quick? The set of a contest are, are a group, are, 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 a, a, a few groups to, uh, that are generally saying since 1958, or at least since 1963, uh, the see has been vacant. There's no pope. That uh, basically that the Vatican went into apostasy uh, uh, after the Second Vatican Council, and there's been no pope since then. That's certificatism. Uh, whenever the see becomes vacant, that doesn't mean you're a certificatist when you say the see is vacant, because every time a pope dies, the see is vacant. But, and there have been there have been times when the see was vacant uh, for all, nearly four years uh, between the reign of uh, uh, Pope Marcellus and Pope St. Marcellinus, there was uh, nearly four years vacancy. So, I mean, it can happen. But you have, uh, using the, the, the Marxist dialectic, we'll say, uh, yeah, there have been uh, some period of vacancy, but nevertheless, there must always be a Pope. So it contradicts contradict themselves very blatantly in, in this matter that if you if you were dare, if you were to dare to say at any time in, in, in our present situation that there's no Pope. Uh, and soon it, it is prophesied by, by by at least two saints. One of them, one is Blessed Honoré uh, Rige, another is Saint uh, Ignatius of Santia uh, speaks of uh, a period of, of vacancy for about three years. So there will be a period of vacancy as, possibly as long as three years, uh, as has happened in the past. One time nearly four years, another time nearly three years. So it has happened in the past. But you, you clearly don't believe we're there yet. Uh, you mentioned Vatican II. Um, Our Lady asked the third secret not to be open until 1960, and then it was either she or Sister Lucy said, then it will become more clear. That's a very interesting date to give, you know, 1960. You mentioned a little bit earlier, if it had been open earlier, many people would have left the faith. 
clearly there was a strategic idea of Our Lady for it to be revealed in 1960. What do you think that was? Why the 60s for the revelation of the third secret? Well, it's rather evident uh, when you consider just these two things. Uh, uh, as Cardinal Stritch had spoke of how they will gain control of the administration of the church, the followers of the devil, and uh, there, was, there was this movement in the near future, it will begin in the near future, stages, in stages, uh, to gradually suppress the mass entirely. Now, the reform of the liturgy began with the Second Vatican Council. That is the Sacrosanctum Concilium, uh, the, the 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 document on the reform of the liturgy is the is the is the inaugurates that movement that will lead to the suppression of the mass. The reform of the liturgy was is ultimately uh, designed to to bring that about. Uh, the Novus Ordo liturgy, for example, I remember uh, an Italian friend of mine, a Franciscan priest, uh, was reading to me uh, published. Masonic diagrams from the 1920s outlining what kind of reforms they wanted in the liturgy. And in, this, in these 1929 Masonic documents, they are describing precisely in detail uh, the Novus Ordo Mass. And uh, this movement goes back a long time. Uh, you look at the condemnation uh, of the reform, for the proposed reform of the liturgy. Uh, by the Pseudo Council of Pistoia of Pope Pius VI, that's in 1794, I believe. Uh, the, the, the propositions he's condemning are precisely uh, to do what was the reform of the Novus Ordo, the, the, the Vatican to reforms of the liturgy, uh, that it should be all in the vernacular, that it should be done in a loud voice. Uh, uh, I can't remember what the, every, every well, detail. Do you mean to say in God's sovereignty, he would allow in his permissive will a false counsel like Pistoia? How is this possible? Well, uh, how is it possible? Well, because it is revealed. God revealed it. Uh, Saint, it's, it's in scripture. Saint, Saint Paul says, I think in the 20th chapter of uh the Acts of the Apostles, this discourse he gave, I believe, in, in Malta. And he said, it's from, he's talking to bishops, and he says, it's from, from among your ranks that the, the traitors are going to rise. And uh, sure and, and, and sure enough, it was the, the bishops of the Second Vatican Council, most of them were deceived. Uh, I remember Archbishop Robert Dwyer said, uh, uh, we had no idea. Uh, uh, what was intended uh, by the wording of these documents? I, uh, I quoted it in my in my book, the the Suicide of Altar and Faith of Liturgy. You'll find the, the precise quotation of what uh, Archbishop Dwyer had said. He was there at Vatican II, and basically what he's saying is that the bishops, the, the vast majority of the bishops, had no idea uh, that that there was a revolution planned. Uh, so what Archbishop Lefebvre used to recall the uh, the time bombs in the Second Vatican Council because they're they're worded almost innocuously with enough disclaimers 
to make it look like it's, it's no big deal. It's, it's, it's just going to be a revision of the liturgy. There have been many revisions of the liturgy in the past, and just going to be the revision of the liturgy. But you'll read very closely, and uh, you see that it's, it's, it's a liturgical revolution that was planned. And uh, uh, what, what, is, what is revealed at Fatima, uh, as Cardinal Ratzinger uh, explained to his uh, uh, former professor, Ingo, Father Dr. Ingo Doniger, who was a, a priest for 60 or, 70, 60 or 70 years, he died recently. He died at age like 95 years old when he died, 95, 96, 97, something like that. And uh, uh, he spoke with Cardinal Ratzinger in around 1991 uh, about the contents of the third secret of Fatima. I first heard, learned about this when I went to Brazil. He was, uh, Dr. Dollinger was the uh, Rector of the Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary in uh, Annapolis, Brazil. And uh, I spoke with some of the priests and deacons uh, who were in that seminary and who, who had spoken with uh, Dr. Dollinger, what Dr. Dollinger had revealed about the third secret, the what what Cardinal Ratzinger had revealed to him about the third secret. And, uh, of course, I, I knew the entire continent of, 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 of uh, Cardinal, Cardinal Ratzinger's revelation about the third secret uh, to Dr. Dollinger long before that article was written. Uh, that uh, Our Lady warned about changing the Mass. That the, 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 and she spoke about that there would be an evil council and she made a warning against changing the mass. And what was more explicit, of course, was uh, Cardinal uh, uh, Stritch uh, saying that this would going to lead to the, the total suppression of the mass. Now, I personally went down to visit uh, Dr. Dollinger, and uh, we spoke about these matters, and and uh, he he confirmed that uh, uh, he was rather shocked on the 26th of June, 2000, when the supposed third secret document uh, was, uh, was publishing the entire third secret, and Cardinal Rossinger was saying this is the entire third secret. Uh, well. If if you know the interpretation, Our Lady's words, uh, it's all it's all there symbolically, but it's not there explicitly because Our Lady said explicitly her, her explanation of what's the what the vision is about, and it is there uh, that Our Our Lady speaks about the suppression of the mass, and uh, uh, basically how there will be the the one uh, the the one world government and one world religion. Uh, uh, that Pope Pius, St. Pius X warned about. And uh, uh, Father Dr. Dollinger was uh, uh, really uh, uh, on, on, his, 
uh, traveling down to, 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 to visit the cardinal, to, to concelebrate mass with him, uh, this question was just burning in his mind. And he told me, I confronted Ratzinger to his face. And uh, as far as this additional content of the, of the third secret, uh, I discussed that with him. And uh, he said, after the Mass, we were removing our vestments. And during the entire Mass, this question is burning in my mind. And he said, uh, so we asked him, uh, point blank, uh, uh, how can that be the entire secret? What about what you told me in our previous meeting? That was like 1991, nine years earlier. Cardinal Rasik was cornered, so he blurted out in German, Wirklich gibt es da noch etwas. Meaning, in that third secret, yes, there's there's more to that secret. There is more. And uh, what uh, what is in that third secret, of course, was not just revealed by Cardinal Ratzinger, but it was revealed by Malachi Martin. It was revealed by uh, Cardinal Stritch. To, uh, and uh, publicized by uh, Father Lawrence Emmett Hughes. Uh, in other chancery offices, there were uh, priests who, who spoke to some extent about the Third Secret having been uh, read and opened in 1957 by Pope Pius XII. And so what we know is and Padre Pio, of course, received the th third secret from Our Lady herself uh, when it was related to her, uh, to him, how Our Lady uh, sat in the chair in uh, Rue de Bach in Paris. Uh, Padre Pio replied to the, uh, the, the person who was uh, talking to him and said, referring to his own monastic cell, his own cell in the friary, he says, here she walks. Hmm. So she, she, he had that kind of familiarity with, uh, with our Blessed Lady that she just didn't come in one apparition like to St. Catherine Labre, but it's something ongoing. She comes to visit Padre Pio and she walks in his cell. Beautiful. Father, she I'm going to I'm going to say revealed gonna, the third secret to him. And that's why he says this is the third secret of Fatima. And he points out he pointed out a number of things in the say that of book. But say that the suppression that. of the mass, the, the false church, the false church, the false pope. Yes, that is what Padre Pio revealed about the third secret. Yes, uh, the, the third secret of Fatima reveals that there will be a counterfeit church, will be a false pope. A, her a heretical false pope who will be the founder of a counterfeit church and there will be a false there will be a false religion <clears throat> different far much different from what is the catholic religion and there's there's no mystery what that religion will be i've quoted him directly i've documented it fully there's no there can be no doubt whatsoever about the authenticity of the texts i'm quoting uh, it is a religion 
without dogmas. It's going to be a religion without the strict moral code of the Catholic, of the, of the, of the Catholic Church, of the, of the commandments of divine revelation. The commandments will be scrapped. Uh, the, the dogmas of faith will be scrapped. Uh, the mass will be suppressed. And uh, it will be, uh, there, will, there will be no proselytism. You will not, it, it, will, it will be forbidden to, uh, to convert, to attempt to convert people to the Catholic faith. Uh, that will be outlawed. And you, you hear how Francis speaks against proselytism. Uh, he, has, he speaks so venomously against it, which is to say that uh, uh, when he says, uh, he, he uses the word venom, that, that the proselytism is a venom. Well, that means that the, uh, the apostles were uh, teachers of poison and that the doctrines of Jesus Christ, our Lord, were, were poisonous when he said, make disciples of all nations, teach them all that I've commanded you. Well, for Bergoglio, that is venom. To, to do that is venom. Those are his own words. It's not my, that's not my interpretation. That's, those are his own words. Uh, and that's just, it, this idea of uh, no more dogmas, uh, no strict moral codes, uh, uh, sexual diversity, uh, this is not just uh, some invention of Bergoglio. It just... Uh, like I po like to point out, how is it that just by pure coincidence that the re the secular religion uh, of Bergoglio uh, is corresponds in every point to the uh, the, the religious agenda uh, of, of the United Nations? Now, uh, during the reign of Pope John Paul II. Uh, there was a, a priest by the name of uh, Father Michael uh, Shuyans, eventually became a bishop, Bishop Michael Shuyans. Uh, he was appointed to the uh, to the Vatican's delegation to to the to the United Nations, and he investigated the United Nations in great depth. Uh, bishop Shuyans was a was a vastly learned man. He had multiple doctorates. Uh, he he wrote scores of books. I mean, he wrote a huge number of books. This is an extremely learned, erudite man. And uh, in his research on the United Nations, he wrote a book called The Hidden Face of the United Nations. And there he explains their agenda. So, and this matches exactly what is in the third secret of Fatima. Uh, the, the political agenda, the, geopolit the geopolitical agenda, and that's why I, I, I wrote a book called The Mystery of Iniquity, uh, the, uh, the, the 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 secret of Fatima in the uh, geopolitical uh, perspective, because there is the geopolitical perspective of the of the third secret. But all of this is ordered to a spiritual end. And so when people make this objection, oh, but the third the message of Fatima is, uh, is spiritual, and, and, and you're talking about politics, that can't be in the third secret. Well, no, this is this is a this is a a, 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 a rather uh, a uh, uh, foolish uh, uh, oversimplification to uh, uh, one has to be uh, rather obtuse to, to, to speak at this vein because uh, the scripture itself refers to the end times uh, 
of a, of a, of a, of a world government, a world rule, where every, every nation, all the peoples and nations of the world will be uh, uh, subjugated under the power uh, of, the, of, of, the, of, this, uh, of the Antichrist. And this is so clearly set forth in Scripture. Uh, And we can see from Scripture that all this political agenda for a one-world government is ordered to a spiritual end, which is is, summed up in one word, Antichrist. Now, the agenda of the United Nations is population reduction and population control. And the the agenda of the United Nations... uh, uh, is being uh, uh, propagated uh, by uh, organizations such as uh, the World Economic Forum, uh, others think tanks like the Club of Rome, going back decades, uh, they proposed to reduce the population of the world by 90%. That means less than 1 billion. That's the target. That's the goal that they're aiming at. Uh, so, uh, reproductive health is the, is the second plank of their agenda, of course, and that's to bring about the population reduction. Sterilization, uh, contraception, abortion, and now we can add to that vaccination. Uh, Bill Gates said uh, one of the things to be used for reduction of population uh, will be vaccines. Uh, the uh, uh, reproductive health uh, will be uh, the, the agenda for reproductive health is ordered to uh, the first point, which is uh, the uh, uh, population control and reduction. So they want to to drastically reduce the population. Uh, thirdly, there is the uh, sexual diversity. Now, uh, we know what God created the procreative faculty for. He said, increase and multiply. When he created the human race, when he created Adam and Eve, he said, increase and multiply. And that is what the procreative faculty is for. But the sexual diversity of the United Nations uh, allows... Uh, the the abuse of the procreative faculty to be used just for every other purpose imaginable except the reproductive function which which is the, the which is the natural uh purpose of of that faculty so uh this is why francis bergoglio brings in these uh, uh, transgender people into uh, into the Vatican and treats them as honored guests. And out of one side of his mouth, he'll say, well, I uphold the teaching of the church. But he doesn't say what the teaching of the church is because he's talking about the teaching of his church. His church is the, is the, is the, is the counterfeit church of sexual diversity. He has spoken against like I said, proselytism, and that's part of the UN, United Nations agenda. Uh, he's, he's, he's been promoting 
loudly with his actions that speak louder than words the the United Nations agenda for sexual diversity. Uh, as far as population control, uh, I remember in the Philippine National Enquirer, uh, uh, a full page uh, uh, devoted almost, uh, I think the half, half of the page was just a photograph of, uh, of, uh, of Francis with the quotation when he says, tells, tells people not to multiply like rabbits. Uh, I mean, this, this is unthinkable that a Catholic pope would ever say such things. Pope Pius XII spoke of the numerous uh, family, the family of numerous children as, 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 the, as the glory of the church. And, and, uh, and this imposter, Francis, is, is, is adopting the agenda of the United Nations uh, of population, population control. Uh, uh, he's promoting in his own way, sexual diversity, uh, the, uh, which would uh, lead to the the abolition of all the uh, strict moral norms of the of the of the commandments of God, the moral code taught by the Church, the uh, dogmas of faith, and it's all ordered to the fourth point, which is the worship of nature. The worship of nature, and of course. There we see Mother Earth. Uh, Bergoglio brought in uh, members of the Jain sect, the Indian pagan sect, uh, who don't believe in God as we do. Uh, and Bergoglio said to them, it's good that you like Mother Earth, because it is she who gave us life and who protects us. So he made a profession of faith. Mm. Scripture, uh, scripture reveals that God created the earth and the earth was a void. God created life on the earth. In, in his providence, God provides for and uh, protects life on earth. The, earth. the earth doesn't give life. God gives life. God puts life on earth. But Bergoglio says it's Mother Earth that gave us, gave us life and protects us. And he brought in the, the Pachamama, Mother Earth uh, idol, uh, to the Vatican, and it just so happens that Mother Earth worship is the agenda for the one world religion of the United Nations. Again, the, uh, the message of Fatima speaks of, the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of this heretic false pope and his counterfeit church. And uh, this nature worship um, perhaps most people don't know this; they're not aware of it. That, but the, the the portal of entry into Satanism, into into the Luciferian sects and Satanism, it begins with nature worship. It starts with the worship of nature, and it ends with the worship of the devil. It is Luciferian, and the Masonic sect is Luciferian, as I've explained in my. Uh, uh, Mystery of Iniquity, the, my, my earlier book, uh, quoting their own authors. It is they are the ones who uh, proclaim themselves Lucifer, Luciferian. And the, the, it is the sect of Freemasonry that has gained control of the high offices of the, uh, of the United Nations and of, of, of the agencies 
the non-governmental agencies and uh, dictate to uh, to the office holders in, 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 in the governments of the world where they have to obey them. They have to obey their orders. And uh, that is what Albert Pike said in the, uh, in the Morals and Dogma of Freemasonry, that we will be the rulers over the masters of the world. And that's happening now. And there will be there will be the great reset, which is that United Nations agenda, uh, which is to bring about, uh, as Valerie Martin said, the control of uh, the movement of capital goods. There's going to in the Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum speaks of the interruption of the supply chain. Is they're very open about saying this. If you say it, you're you're uh, labeled a conspiracy theorist. But this is not something a conspiracy theorist has cooked up in his mind. They are saying, they are they are uh, in our face pro proclaiming this agenda. And Klaus Schwab speaks of it, speaks of it as, as I mentioned. And Our Lady of Fatima said that there will be hunger, war, hunger, and persecution of the church. Uh, in the vision, uh, Jacinta spoke of as referring to the third secret. She saw vast uh, throngs of, of, of people starving, starving people looking for food. And this is coming very, very soon. We're talking about the next two or three years. It's going mm. to be a global famine such as there has never been in the whole world. There have been famines in regions and in countries, and, but there has never been a global famine like there's going to be one now. And this is something planned. Those those people who control the United Nations, the United Nations is just a management agency for the for the sect, for the sect, for the sect of masonry who controls the Luciferians who have gained control of the of the of the financial the financial institutions of the world, uh, and through and through that they directly and indirectly control governments of the world. They have their people in governments. They have their man in the Vatican. Uh, and uh, they are going to bring about a massive famine such as never taken place before. We look to what happened here in Ireland uh, in the 19th century. Uh, mm -hmm. The population of Ireland was conservatively estimated around 7 million, others more than 10 million. Other estimates are uh, even more than 10 million. And uh, after, after the... Uh, engineered famine, mm -hmm. uh, uh, there were less than three million here. Now, uh, people still talk about uh, how uh, their grandparents were, were alive then, uh, how the, the highways were lined with armed soldiers uh, because the, the food was being shipped to the port, they loaded out the ships and sent to England so, so that they could export and sell the food. And the starving Irish uh, uh, were uh, not able to, to get their hands on the food because to protect the shipments of food from the starving Irish, uh, the landowners uh, would have the British the land was owned by the by, by the British Protestants. Uh, 
they had the, the highways, the shipments under guard to protect the food from being uh, taken by the people. And that's why you had that massive starvation. Not that there was a short, there was no food shortage. Mm -hmm. The food was shipped away. Now, Klaus Schwab speaks of the interrupting the, the supply chain. They are planning the same kind of uh, famine, but this time for the whole world. And it's, and it's going to be starting like next year. In the next two years, you're going to see a massive famine, hunger everywhere. And uh, this is part of the United Nations agenda, uh, the population reduction. It's population reduction, get rid of uh, the Catholic religion, get rid of the uh, revealed religion at the, of, of the one true God, uh, the moral code, the divine commandments, the dogmas of faith, the sacraments of the church, the Holy Mass. All of these things have to go. They will all be suppressed. They will all be forbidden because they are going to implement a one-world religion. As Pope St. Pius X foretold, they would do this, a one-world church that will be uh, a religion that will be neither Catholic, Protestant, nor Jewish. That it will be, a in, in this regime will be oppressed will be op oppressing all the, the poor and the working class of the world. They will be oppressed by this tyrannical government, this tyrannical world government. Uh, that was in Notre Charge Apostolique that uh, Pope St. Pius X uh, um, spoke these words. words so, so, you know, I, I look at the fact that we have this Abrahamic family house being built, we have the Pacamama. None of this is conspiracy theories since the Vatican is being transparent that they're building a one world religion, Abrahamic house. This is on the Vatican. It's called the Vatican News website. Um, why is the only bishop in the world speaking out against the Vatican promoting a one world religion, Archbishop Vigano? This seems so obvious at this point. Why do the cardinals and the bishops live in fear of naming the obvious at this point? Like the days of Arianism, St. Vincent of Lauren speaks about how they, I can't remember the exact words he used, but there was, they were all in, in, in a fog. And the, the vast majority of bishops were, were deceived by, by the Arians. And we see the same situation. I, I, I quote St. Vincent in my book, the, the precise uh, text. I can't always remember the text by memory. That's why I like to write books, because the, 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 uh, uh, they're, they're, the, the references are there and the verbatim quotation, quotations are there, so there's, there's, there's no doubt about exactly what was said. I think, I think fog is a pretty good description. I like the analogy to Arianism. Since we're really podcasting on Fatima, Fall, I want to ask you, was Russia consecrated? How will we know, if your answer to that is no, how will we know when it is consecrated? And what will happen in the world when Russia is con accurately consecrated by a valid pope to the Immaculate Heart of Mary? I'm just going to wind you up and let you go on those three questions. Okay, well, Our Lady uh, said in a, in a message to Sister Lucy, she appeared to Sister Lucy, 
And uh, uh, I think Sister Lucy asked, why, why is it necessary for the consecration of Russia? And uh, Our Lady said, until Russia is consecrated, uh, uh, Russia will not be converted and the world cannot have peace. So that is the condition sine qua non. Uh, the the the, the, consecrate, the consecration of Russia is 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 absolutely uh, required to bring about the peace of the world. Then she she asked our Lord Himself uh, about the, the need for the consecration. Why, why is this necessary? And uh, our Lord replied, "Because I want the whole world to acknowledge this consecration as a triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary." So uh, that is why Padre Pio pointed out that the, when this consecration takes place, Padre Pio said the conversion of Russia is something that will take place instantly. It will be immediate. Uh, it will be a miraculous conversion. And God does work miracles. Uh, it's in God's power to work miracles. So, uh, some people just assume that it must be something that must take centuries and centuries uh, to, to take the conversion to take place. Uh, the, well, if there were, if if God didn't have the power to work miracles, then I would agree with that. But it is in God's power to work a miracle, so that this consecration will be seen to be uh, the instrument that that brought that about. Because if Russia was converted today, uh, uh, who would who would uh, uh, attribute that conversion to the effect of a consecration that took place maybe in the year 1550. Of course, mm. you, you couldn't see it. You wouldn't see a connection. It's going to be an obvious connection that that uh, the consecration will be done and Russia will be immediately converted. And Padre Pio said that in the, referred to the third secret of Fatima that the, the, the conversion of Russia will be instantaneous. And, we, and uh, he also said that Russia will teach the, the West a lesson about conversion. I watched your podcast on the Joseph Brothers, Eastern Catholic, very good podcast. And I love the point that you both made that as Russia slowly returns to Russian Orthodoxy, we as Catholics don't think that's sufficient. But when she fully returns to Catholicism, it will be the Eastern Catholicism that was in Russia for several hundred years before the schism. And that will be relatively easy because even though we don't think Russian Orthodoxy is enough to convert back to, um, it hasn't been as influenced by modernism as the West. Did I understand that part of that podcast that you did correctly? Well, uh, I can I can really sum it up this way. Uh, the Russian Orthodox Church is a church that values tradition. It has not abandoned tradition. It, it, it very steadfastly adheres to tradition. And when they are united uh, with the rest of the universal church, their, the Russian Orthodox Church will be uh, in the Catholic Church, uh, under the jurisdiction of the of the of the true Vicar of Christ, and they will be a, a beacon of divine truth uh, because they uh, will uh, uh, adhere so strictly to tradition 
and be a, a, an example for all to follow. Makes sense. I mean, what would they have to change in their liturgy to do, to do to do the same as Russian Catholics do? Probably there'll be some answers on YouTube on the comments from Eastern Catholics on that. My guess, which is a very limited guess, uh, would be very little. Practically nothing, but uh, uh, instead of naming, uh, oh. naming the patriarch, they name the pope, and <laughs> that would be a Catholic because. Uh, their their liturgy hasn't changed basically. It's just this this it's the same liturgy they had back, going back to the to the days of uh, Cyril Methodius, going back further to uh, uh, the the Greek uh, patriarchate uh, of Constantinople. It's 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 the uh, divine liturgy of Saint John Chrysostom. It's it's Father. It's why do you the, think uh, why do you think Pope Pius the Twelfth, Pope John Paul II? You don't think their, you know, semi-attempts at consecrating Russia, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, were valid? Um, clearly, we don't have any peace in the world to prove from that. Why don't you think they just did it? I mean, I heard you say on another podcast, five minutes and five minutes of doing what Our Lady asked from one pope, and we could have been saved all this trouble in church and state. Why didn't they do it? Well... I think it's the second volume of the English translation of The Whole Truth About Fatima by Frère Michel de Saint-Jean-Jean-Jean. Uh, gives two texts of Our, Our Lady's words when the formal request for the consecration of Russia. And on page 555, is, you, can, you read in the text where Our Lady uh, asks that the Pope, uh, together with all the bishops, and the, the Pope commands all the bishops with him, together with him, to consecrate Russia to the American Heart of Mary. That it's to be done by the Pope to get a public and solemn ceremony of consecration, act of consecration, public and solemn, done by all the bishops of the world, each in their own cathedral. Mm. And Sister Lucia, you see this in her official documents. Uh, she 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 emphasizes this point that each bishop in his own diocese on the same day as the Pope must solemnly, solemnly publicly consecrate Russia to Macalhadamari, and the Pope must do the same. Uh, and uh, uh, she was uh, questioned uh, by the, I think it was in 1982, or, or, or I, I don't remember, it doesn't matter, uh, uh, this documented in, 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 in my books and in Father Gruner's books, uh, when, uh, and in, and in uh, Fred Michelle's book, the Apostolic Nuncio, Santa Portolupi to, to Portugal, uh, in his official capacity as uh, Nuncio, asked Sister Lucy exactly what is required uh, to perform this act of consecration. And she uh, uh, she said that it must be the Pope. And it must be done together with all the bishops, public solemn ceremony, and it must specify Russia by name. All these conditions are required. This right. is what Our Lady asked for, and that's on page 555 of volume 2 of that book, where this is what Our Lady re requested. In, in God's name, God 
God requests consecration of Russia, the Pope, together with all the bishops of the world, to consecrate Russia to her immaculate heart in a public solemn ceremony. The Pope, together with all the bishops of the world, each in their own cathedral, public solemn ceremony. So unless it's the Pope, a true and valid Pope, together with all the bishops of the world, performing the solemn act of consecration, each in their own cathedral, on the same day, it's not done. Because that is what Our Lady asked for. That is that is the that is the act that was requested, and that is the act that has not yet been done. And it's obvious that it has not been done. It's never been done. So let's let's end on a good note. Um, besides the conversion of Russia, what will happen in the world and the Church when Russia is validly consecrated the Immaculate Heart of Mary by a Pope and all the bishops? The domination of the world by evil will end. The consecration of Russia will bring out the conversion of Russia. <coughs> and the conversion of Russia will turn Russia into, into the instrument of the conversion of the whole world. The powers of evil will be definitively defeated. And the, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the kingdom of Christ will uh, the church will uh, the nations will convert to the church so all the nations of the world will convert to the Catholic faith and the Catholic church and this will be the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary that she promised in the end by Immaculate Heart will triumph uh, Russia, the Pope will consecrate Russia to, to my Immaculate Heart the, uh, Russia will be converted and a period of peace will be given to the world and what about the part though it'll be too late she never said it was to be too late. So it will oh. be late. It will be late, not too late. It will be late. No, oh. The words too late do not appear there. Interesting. Most of the time I even hear traditionalists quote that. They say it will be too late. Uh, they Just need late. to read the Portuguese text. The Portuguese okay. text does not say too late. Mm, okay. What a, what a wonderful way to uh, end this podcast. Father Paul Kramer, thanks so much for joining us on the Padre Peregrino podcast.